Welcome to the teaching and preaching ministry of Pastor Petrock. God's word is truly quick, alive and powerful. God does everything he does with, via and through his word. Get ready for your life to be shaped and transformed. Your destiny to be modeled even as you listen to God's word from the lips of his anointed servant. Just one word from God can change your entire life forever. Be blessed as you listen. Genesis 32. I'll begin reading from verse 24. Then if you have a bookmarker, I want you to put a bookmarker at the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We'll read verse number 18. As it is our custom, let's all stand for the reading of God's word. I'll start reading from verse 24. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his tie, and the hollow of Jacob's tie was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Verse 27, let's read. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. Let's continue. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou asked after my name? And he blessed him there. 30. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penal, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his tie. God bless the reading of his word. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 Praise the name of the Lord. Before I come to preach, make sure the sound is set, right? And make sure every other sound is killed so that I'm not distracted. Hallelujah. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Let's read together. One, two, three, go. Wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'd like us to read it louder again. One, two, three, go. Okay. 
praise the name of the Lord. I want you to look for three people and just tell them, come up higher. Find somebody, look the person in the eye as if you are encouraging the person. Tell the person, come up higher. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's bow our heads forward of prayer. Divine Father, Divine King, I thank you for such an opportunity to come before the throne room of grace. And to be able to speak your thoughts, the thoughts the Bible says that are past finding out, to be able to comprehend the things of God and to project those thoughts into the spirit of your people, it is a great privilege. Lord, because I cannot do your job on my own, Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. I ask for the enabling power of the Holy Ghost, that it should rest upon me mightily this Sunday morning. Give me nimbleness of mind, clarity of thought, agility, eloquence upon my lips. And when I preach, I will not preach as a man, but I will preach as an oracle of God. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary this Sunday morning. Let no man see my giftings, but let them see the righteousness of Christ in me. Paul said, I do not come in the enticing words of men's wisdom, but I came in demonstration of power and of spirit. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians 4 verse 20, that the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. Release the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy this Sunday morning. Mantle me like never before. Wrap me in your grace. Empower me by your spirit that power might be released to your people. Let no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, let them not leave the same way they came. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let your glory overshadow them. When Mary cried out and said, How shall this in me? You said that the Holy Ghost will come upon you and overshadow you. Let there be an overshadowing anointing this Sunday morning. Cross the believers in somebody's house. Transform somebody's finances. Break through in somebody's spirit. Let there be a mantle that will fall upon this church. A mantle of prayer that enters into the holies of holies. That today as the text has said, let us come up higher into the throne room of God. Do what only you can do. We take all the glory back to you, O God. And we accept the blessings for the sons of men. In the name of Jesus, I have prayed. And the church shouts aloud. Before you take your seat, tell somebody, come up higher.
If you just allow me to take a little bit of uh, addendum as I bring God's word to you this Sunday morning, if you will permit me to relax a little bit. The book of Genesis is the book of the beginning. It's the book that shows us our history in God. It is the book that shows us where we come from. The book of Genesis gave us a picture of how God created the heavens and the earth even while we were not yet born. His ability and His power to be able to create. The book of Genesis is the book of all beginnings. It was written by Moses. The Bible says that the Lord said to Moses, I want you to stand aside and just Hide yourself in a cliff. I will pass by and you will see my back. And when Moses hid himself in the cliff, because he could not behold all of the glory of God, no flesh has the ability to behold all of the glory of God. And God passed by, Moses saw his back. And when Moses saw his back, the revelation of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all of those five books to the book of Deuteronomy were written by Moses. By just a revelation of God, he was able to see into dimensions that were not seen by man. It was a great privilege that God gave to Moses. And the book of Genesis speaks of origin. The word Genesis means origin or source or beginning. That is to say, everything you see upon the face of the earth originated from somewhere. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the very first verse, he says, in the beginning, God. It means that every beginning that will be sustained will have to start from God. God is the source of all beginnings. You're seated here. You think you are the creator of your life. But I'm here to bust your bubble this Sunday morning. I want you to know that you were created by the hand of God. He, he is the one that fashioned you. You might think that your father and mother are the originators of your destiny. But no, 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 no. God is the one that created you uh, in the beginning God, the beginning of your destiny started in God the beginning of your destiny didn't start when your mother fell in love with your father, no uh, the beginning of your destiny didn't start when your mother's blood was hot and your father's blood was hot and they locked with themselves in the room, no the beginning of your destiny didn't start when the midwife screamed at your mother 
virus is to open up our matrix and give the last push and you came out no the beginning of your destiny started long before you even came to the face of the earth the Bible says God said to Jeremiah before I formed you I knew you that means your beginning started in God before you even came to the face of the earth and if you ever want to begin anything else you've got to learn to begin first with God if you ever have to have a successful beginning every successful beginning has to start with God a successful marriage starts with God a successful business starts with God a successful academic career starts with God a successful ministry doesn't start with the man of God it starts with God before you take credit from bishop and apostles you have to have an encounter with God first it is until God calls you before a man can call you a man will only ordain the calling of God upon your life he's not going to call you into ministry God is the one that calls the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning God God is the source of all beginnings uh, and the verse moves on and says in the beginning God created I like the word created. It means God is the creator. No man, listen to me, with all of our creative ability, no man has the ability to create. Uh, science has gone far. Uh, they've tried to split atoms. Uh, they have created cells. Uh, and they have the ability to multiply cells. Uh, they have the ability to dissect the body structure of a human. Uh, they can tell you the skeletal system, digestive system, respiratory system, uh, blood tissues, the nerves. They can name every nerve in your brain. Uh, all they can do is to be creative but they do not have the ability to create no ability to create the creative power is in God the word create bara is the word that is gotten from the word bara it means to call something out of nothing uh, that means God has the ability to form something out of nothing is it not written that the whole world was void and it was empty and darkness was upon the face of the earth and God said let there be light and there was light I'm here to announce to you this Sunday morning that it doesn't matter what position your life is in right now God has the ability to make something out of nothing is it not written that the Lord calls the things that be not as 
sole it might look like your life cannot be great right now you might have looked at your bank account and thought that nothing good can come out of you but if you can just release your destiny into the hands of the awesome creator he has the ability to take the life that is nothing and make something out of it God picked up David a bush boy that everybody has abandoned and left him relegated to take care of goats and lambs in the bush but God made him a king you might have been born in a face me a face you follow and there's no destiny that you can call there's nothing great you can point your life to you might have been a farmer taking care of your father's farm and you think that your destiny will end up as a farmer but no 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 any man that has the ability to release his destiny into the hand of God God can pick a carpenter and make him the savior of the world God can pick a carpenter and make him the greatest man upon the face of the earth there's nothing that you will give to God that will make him surprised or, 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 or flabbergasted God is in the ability of making men he's in the ability of making great men so no matter where your life is right now you might have looked at your destiny and said nothing good is going to come out of me but I'm here to announce to you there's more to you than Mr. I God can use your small and make you great God can use your gift and make you a warrior let me look at somebody and tell them don't judge me yet you might have looked at my shoe and you have seen holes in my shoe and you have called me a pauper but hold on a moment I'm about to connect with the creator in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the Bible says that the very words of God were the very things that framed the entire universe tell somebody it starts with God. So no matter where your life is right now, God has the ability to create it. There is no situation that is so difficult for God. When God looked at Abraham and Sarah, he told them that they would give birth in their old age. And Sarah laughed. And God asked Abraham a very simple question. Is there anything that is too hard for the Lord? Is there anything that is too hard for our God? It's a situation so difficult that it becomes too hard for God to change your life. There is no situation. There is no circumstance. There is no condition that is too hard for God. Tell somebody starts with God. And, and the book of Genesis opens our eyes to see the various dimensions of our foundation. 
He shows us the power of God in the creative ability of His words. Genesis then helps us to direct our paths. All of the Bible is hinged in the book of Genesis. The revelations that are hooked up in the book of Genesis are enormous. Anybody that can comprehend or contemplate the power of the book of Genesis will be able to add every revelation in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John until you get to Revelation. Everything that you see in Genesis spreads itself in the entirety of the entire Bible. Every Bible scholar will tell you that if you are going to understand the dynamics of any word, uh, there's a law in theology called the law of first mention. Uh, That means you have to go to the origin or the first time that word was mentioned in the Bible to be able to understand the dynamics of that word. And for you to go to the first word that was ever mentioned, uh, you will have to go to the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis is a foundation of everything that we live by. Revelations were hidden in Genesis because God does things in darkness so that the people of this world would not be able to comprehend. And everything that is prophetic, prophetically hidden in the scriptures were hidden in Genesis. So... You could also see the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in the book of Genesis uh, when a father sacrificially lays his son on the altar for worship. And God did that also, the same thing that Abraham did. It is just hidden. Every revelation that you want to be able to experience, you have to experience it first in the book of Genesis. Genesis is a very sweet book to be able to read when you are in, in sync with the Holy Ghost. You will open up your eyes to be able to enjoy the book of the origin. And the book of Genesis led us to the first man. And it showed us the ability of the first man. The book of Genesis was the first book that told us the importance of marriage. That a man will leave and cave. The book of Genesis also showed us the first woman. And the Bible called her woman. Because she was founded out of a man. And the Bible called her Ish. He showed us the dynamics of the feminine gender, that she is tender, and she is uh, she is soft, and she needs to be catered to. And the Bible shows us her affection will be towards the husband. And the book of Genesis also shows us uh, the first flawed and man's first sin, the first time that man fell and rebelled against the ordinances of God and the consequences of that rebellion, and how the world became, became uh, dark and gross, and God had to begin to create the world all over again. And the book of Genesis showed us the first man that found favor and grace in the sight of God. The book of Genesis showed us the dimensions and the history of men. The book of Genesis showed us the first man that ever lived that was very, very old. The oldest man was found in the book of Genesis. And the book of Genesis showed us, took us to the book of Noah. And the book of Genesis showed us God's interest to be able to build a family uh, for himself uh, and the book of Genesis took us to the patriarchs of the scriptures uh, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob uh, that until today uh, the Jewish tradition uh, still call him the God of Abraham, uh, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob uh, these three men were
where the patriarchs in the book of Genesis because God started his seed in Abraham he continued the seed in Isaac and he propagated or multiplied the seed in Jacob these three men stood as the fathers they are sons to each other or fathers to each other but they stood as the fathers of our entire gospel because without Abraham, Isaac and Jacob you and I will not be able to enjoy the fruit of Jesus Christ that we are enjoying right now Abraham produced the seed he's called the father of faith Isaac passed the seed he's called the sustainer of faith and Jacob multiplied the seed he's called the multiplier of faith and Jacob uh, the brother I'm interested in Abraham and Isaac but my favorite is Jacob I have favorites in Jacob not because um, of, of disrespect to Abraham and Isaac. I respect Abraham because he's the father of faith. In fact, he's the father of obedience. He's the father of of righteousness and justification. The Bible says it was counted unto Abraham as righteousness because he believed. So he is the father of righteousness. He's the sole secret of obedience. He's the only one that God demanded a son from. And he was willing to lay his son on the altar without asking God any question. He had total obedience. He's the father of faith because even in his old age, Abraham was still willing to believe God for a miracle that his sperm cells will still be hot to activate a dead womb. Oh yes, Abraham was a father of faith. I love Isaac also. But you see, Abraham means father of nations. Isaac means latter. But Jacob means supplanter. The name Jacob means a trickster, a foreigner a corn artist Jacob means a rascal and you see that's why I like Jacob it means that God is still the God of bad boys you see you can say God is the father of Abraham he was a man of faith you can say God is the God of Isaac he was a man of laughter and progress but you see when you say God is the God of a trickster a rascal that picks my mind it means no matter where my situation has come from I still have a destiny in God that it doesn't matter what my past looks like God can still select me anyway God can still associate himself with me that I might have a back pass an ugly pass I might have been coming from the beach but God can still pick me up wash me more and use me for destiny Jacob is a proof that God can use a messed up destiny and bring out a message or a miracle out of it because
because of Jacob, I have faith that I can oppose God. God says He's the God of Jacob. I'm the God of a foreign line. I'm the God of a prostitute. I'm the God of a backslider. I'm the God of a drug addict. I'm the God of that same boy that is hooked up on drugs. He thinks that he has no destiny. But God says, I can still use that drug addict. I can still use that girl that is sleeping around right now. That doesn't understand her left and her right. You see, in the destiny of God, He has a way of selecting the worst men to bring out the best glory. God used Rahab to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Somebody doesn't understand what I'm talking about. God can use you in spite of your past. God can use you in spite of the mistakes that you've made. God can use you. He's the God of the good guys. But He's also the God of the bad guys. If not for God, where would I have been when I look back over my shoulders and see the many faults He brought me out of? When I was a rascal, doing my own thing, living my own life, God delivered me from AIDS when I slept with all kinds of things. God protected my destiny. God watched over me. He picked me up and said, Pidrock, I'm still going to use you for ministry. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your past. God is still the God of the bad boys. Somebody said, yeah! Jacob! Jacob means trickster, manipulator. And that means all of his life he has been manipulating himself too. But God still selected him. You see, people will judge your life and judge you by your past decisions. But God doesn't judge you by your past decisions. He judges you by his intention and purpose that he used to create you. So, uh, if you are the one that we're going to choose a pastor uh, to come and pastor House on the Rock, uh, I bet you if you saw my curriculum that year, you would not have selected me at all uh, because I was living a rebellious life. Uh, I was moving astray outside the will of God. Uh, but God is still the God of the bad boys. Uh, he has the ability uh, to pick you up in your mess. And you know what I like about God? He didn't change Jacob's name when it was when he had to do with his name. You see, he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and he still said, I am the God of Jacob. Knowing what Jacob means, God can still associate himself with you in spite of the many mistakes that you've made. People will not associate with you when they know that you have a stain in your reputation. But God God will still use that ugly reputation and bring forth glory out of it. I was surprised when Jesus 
said the son of glory will be in the belly of the earth just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish. You see what I mean? Jonah disobeyed God and God locked him up in the belly of the fish for three days. That was not a good testimony. But Jesus still used that testimony to bring us a glory in his own destiny. That's something you have done and you are ashamed of it. But if you can just release that ugly reputation in the hands of God, God can use your ugly reputation and pull out a glory from it. It is in your past your prophecy is hidden. It is in your mistake your miracle is hidden. It is in your failings that God will use you for glory. Let me let you know the very thing that makes the devil like you is the very thing that makes God attracted to you. People may not like you because of the bad things that you do. God said, if this guy can sin much, oh my God, this same guy is going to love much. People may not like you because of the history they have about you. See this guy, he loves ladies too much. He likes to move around. He's a womanizer. But God is saying, oh my God, this guy is going to be a great evangelist. Oh, you see this lady. She doesn't know how to keep herself right. She doesn't have the integrity. She doesn't have the staying power. God said, if you just allow me with some time with this lady, I'm going to make her a prophetess. Because she will know what she's going to say to the people. It is your past that makes you a ministry. If you don't have an ugly past, you will not be able to minister to people. You walk around cocky, feeling that you're the God of your destiny because you do not have any sin that anybody should wash. But I'm grateful to God that I have some mistakes. I'm grateful to God that I have some failings. I'm grateful to God that I had a dark past because now the blood of Jesus can be active in my destiny. If you are just yourself and you know that you are the God of yourself, you don't have any past. You can sit there like a bump on a log but if you know that God has been the one that has kept you I want you to stand up and give God a significant praise. and we're only talking. The name Jacob means a corn, a trick, a rascal. Jacob was not the kind of son any father or mother would love to have. He was not easily controlled. He was very disobedient and he loved to move in his own terms. He doesn't like instructions or protocol. Jacob doesn't like to move around by policies and, and laws. Jacob wanted to be his own man, his own decisions. Jacob was a nightmare. He was a wild child. Jacob loved to party and to club and to dance around and to etiquette. 
you and he feels like doing it. Uh, Jacob was a rascal. Uh, Jacob was not the kind of person uh, that would love to hang around with. If we are all holy and sanctimonious. Uh, when Jacob walked into church, uh, Jacob would be wearing a mini skirt uh, and her hair would be coily uh, and she would move around with a kind of swag uh, and a sway uh, so that everybody will notice her. Jacob is wild. Jacob doesn't like to be chained. There's a Jacob in each and every one of us. I know you can notice the Jacob in other people, but if God should open up your books in church. We all have some Jacobs. Each and every one of us have a weakness in our destinies. If God exposes our Jacob, the reason why God left Jacob in the great patriarchs is so that you and I, in spite of your Jacob mentality or your Jacob experience, you will not count yourself out. So that you will not say God only uses great people and God only uses holy people and God only uses sanctified people. But God is also in the business of using bad boys and girls. You see there are churches when you are about to enter the church they tell you that you must wear a long skirt. You must cover yourself when you come to church. But you see in House on the Rock I'd like you to come just the way you are. Come with your short skirt so that I know that you need some repentance. Because if I if you come in each and every one of us we know how to pretend we can shout in the Holy Ghost we can jump in the Holy Ghost we can all act if you need me to act holy I can act holy when I come to church if you need me to act righteous I can act righteous when I come to church I can give you the mm and the ah and the praise the Lord hallelujah God is moving in this place but if I allow you to come just the way you are, then God can touch you where he needs to touch you. But if I tell you to pretend before you come in a church, then each and every one of us can act. But when God begins to touch you, your step will move from here to here. And God begins to touch you more, your step will move from here to here. And God... Jacob was a wild child. The name Jacob means supplanter. Why was he named supplanter? It also means heel catcher. When Jacob was giving birth to, uh, Jacob wanted to come before his first brother. He lived his life seeking and manipulating men. He knew how to lie. When you catch Jacob red-handed, it wasn't me. He was a manipulator. He had the ability to use words so that men could favor him. When the father noticed that his brother was coming out, even in the womb, Jacob was holding his brother's leg so that he would come out first before his brother. He was the twin of his mother's birth. His elder brother was Esau. 
Jacob waited for his brother to be very hungry and in need of food. And Jacob cooked a very delicious stew and dropped it in front of his brother. And the moment the brother wanted to eat, he said, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. I know you are very hungry. I just need one very teeny weeny small thing from you. Listen to me. Jacob is never satisfied until he gets what he wants. He's a manipulator. The Bible says that he told his brother to sell his birthright for a pot of porridge. But Esau is very emotional. Jacob. He loves to deceive. Uh, Jacob hides under the impression. He loves to impress people. He loves or she loves to use gadgets and things to elevate her status. She feels that the clothes that she wears and the makeup that she puts on uh, is what gives her prestige. Uh, because all of her destiny is uh, a destiny of manipulation. I want you to know that Jacob did not learn manipulation by himself. Uh, Jacob's mother also was a queen of manipulation. The Bible says when, he, when Isaac said he was going to bless Esau, Rebekah heard and called Jacob into her room and said, See, I want you to be blessed instead of your brother. So we're going to manipulate your father. And when the case has been exposed, and Jacob has stolen his brother's blessing, and he, he was now afraid of what Esau will do to him, the mother sent him to Laban. Now when she got to Laban, Laban was also a manipulator. And Laban was Rebekah's brother. That means... Jacob's mother's lineage, all of them were what? Is there a possibility that the Jacob in you is a reflection of your parents' Jacob? Hmm. Is there a possibility that you are really acting out who your mother is or was to you. Is there a possibility that you are fighting devils that your parents were afraid to confront? Hmm. Because Jacob was from a lineage of manipulators. His mother was a manipulator. His uncle, his mother's brother manipulated him. Jacob was in a mess. He was. But you see, God wanted to use Jacob for his glory because the blessing was on Jacob. In the book of Genesis, Jacob had two significant encounters. Listen to me carefully now. I'm going deeper. Can I go deeper? <coughs> Jacob had 
two major encounters in his destiny. And if you read the book of Genesis 24, you will find the first encounter and the second encounter was in the book of Genesis 32. Why do I call it an encounter? You see, Jacob, they love the idea of God, but they do not like to have a relationship with God. Uh, I'll break it down for you. Jacob's are people that love to go to the house of worship just for the show. But they do not like to worship. Mm. They are interested in the gifts. But they are not interested in the giver. Mm. They are interested in the inheritance. But they really don't want to have a personal relationship with the father. So the reason why they come to church is because of the blessings or the show of fellowship with brethren. But God is more interested in getting to you than he is interested in giving you things. Because he knows that if you have the blesser, the blessing will follow you. But Jacob is more interested in the blessing than the blesser. Jacob has no reverence for the power of God. He's more interested in what God will do to him. The most desperate times in Jacob's life are times when he was in trouble. Not times when he needed an encounter or a personal relationship. Uh, Jacob are the kind of people that the longest prayer they pray are the prayer of deliverance or the prayer of repentance or the prayer of need. Uh, they cannot spend quality time in the presence of God. Jacob, Jacob. Uh, when they come to church, they are not interested to listen to the word of God. They don't enter into the house of God with a reverence. Uh, there's a Jacob sitting close to you. The person is thinking this Sunday morning. I'm telling you. Uh, the person is more interested in impressing men and giving us a show. That when the person comes to church, it's all about a show. They hide themselves under one garment so that nobody will be able to see their real self. And they make it very difficult for God to get to them. Uh, Jacob. Jacob loves to pretend when he comes into the house of God. They want the inheritance, but they don't want to spend time with the master. They want the blessing, but they do not want to be associated with the blesser. Jacob's are very, very, very ashamed or shy to carry their Bibles in the streets. Jacob will never tell you about Jesus Christ because he doesn't want to be associated with the born-again Christian. When a Jacob is in club, the groove on starts. When a Jacob is in church, 
the Holy Ghost dance starts. When a Jacob is with the Muslims, it's all Muslimish. When a Jacob is with the Christians, it's all Christianish. Jacob is a manipulator. He knows how to behave like a snake. He must not want to be associated with a blesser, but he loves to be associated with a blessing. Jacob does not have an inheritance in himself. Jacob does not have an identity in himself. Jacob is always directed by what people expect of him. Jacob is always moved by what people think of him. Jacob is always moving, trying to please his father, trying to please his mother, trying to please Laban, trying to please for his wife, trying to please people. Jacob is always in the business of pleasing men. And his first encounter was in the book of Genesis 24. The Bible says that Jacob was tired. You see, that word tired was not just put in the Bible so that we'll be able to understand that Jacob was tired. It was a divine revelation. His first encounter, he was tired. His second encounter, he was tired. And the Bible says that he picked up a stone. Uh, I want you to understand that the stone represents the chief cornerstone. That when Jacob was tired, he has come to the end of himself. He has stopped trying to manipulate or try to pull out his destiny with his own abilities. Uh, some of us were trying to be the gods of our lives. None of us really know what God's purpose is for us. We, we do not really care what God's plan is for us. We are living life on our own, hoping that one day we will just encounter success. We are just living life like the number of masses that live upon the face of the earth. They are just living life. Living life anyhow. Just hoping. We follow the traditions of men. That I will just get married. When I get married, we will give birth to children. When we give birth to children, we will make money. When we make money, we will eat food. When we eat food, we will go to the toilet. Then we will make money. Then we will buy food. Then we will eat food. Then we will go to the toilet. Our children will grow. Then when our children grow, they will leave us. We will send them to school. Then when they send them to school, then they will leave us. Then they, they will also get married. If God sees us, we will see our grandchildren. Then when we see our grandchildren, we will now all go to grave bed. We don't know what is our calling. We don't know what God has in store for us. And Jacob, the Bible says, was tired. You will never have an encounter with God until you are tired of where you are. You will never have an encounter with the maker of your destiny until you are tired. Until there's a longing in your soul to have a relationship with Him. God is not a prostitute. A prostitute doesn't need you to be intimate with her. She can sleep with you. God is not like that. God wants you to have a desire for Him first before He shows you things. And the Bible says that Jacob laid down on the stone and the heavens opened and there was a ladder that touched from the ground and it entered into heaven and he saw angels ascending and descending and Jacob said, Oh, I do not know that the Lord was in this place. And he built an altar there and he called the name of the place Bethel. And Bethel means the house of God. Listen to me. Jacob's first encounter, he had his first encounter with the house of God. 
Your life begins to change when you have an encounter with the house of God. Because when God wants to visit you, He will always move you into a house. The church of God is the house of God. Jacob's life began to move when he had an encounter with the house of God. But his destiny was not over because all of his life has not been transformed yet. Let me let you know something. Transformation is a process with God. People want instantaneous progress. There's a young man under the sound of my voice. You want to move in the dimension of God's anointing and power. But it's a process. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform means metamorphosis. It's gotten from the word metamorphosis. It means to change from one level to another. Praise the name of the Lord. And it requires an outstanding process. That means... If God is going to walk through you, He's going to walk through you gradually until you become all that He wants you to be. God is not interested in laying an anointing on you without you having a character. We have a lot of ministers of God that are so eager to step out. They've not cooked themselves in the presence of God. But they are so eager to step out and walk for God. They want to walk for a God that they do not know. There's more to ministry than that. There has to be a character. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And he found favor with God and with man. But if your focus as a child of God is only about the blessing, then you will never enjoy the fullness of God. You won't. That's why a lot of men of God will stand at the pulpit and they'll continue to ask for money. Someday you don't. So one of my daughters in church said, I said, why didn't you go to that church? She said, the first day, the only day I went to the church, from the beginning of the service to the end of the service, they were collecting offering. Money. That the whole service was about money. They sold their soul for prosperity. And they've forgotten. It says they have a form of godliness, but they are what? Denying the power thereof. As apostles in this house, perhaps prophets in this house, you know your calling and your destiny. And you know that God wants to use you to change our generation. Don't focus on the blessing. Focus on the blesser. Seek ye first. If you are ever going to amount to greatness, if God is ever going to use you for His glory, you have to be a God chaser. And Jacob's second encounter was when he was running away from his brother. He was tired again. Until your soul is tired of manipulating and living life to impress men, you will never see the hand of God upon your destiny. You have to turn. That is what repentance means. 
Repentance means turn. You have to do a 180 degrees turn away from your past. You have to be tired with the vomit of your destiny or the vomit of your past so that God can use you for his glory. If you are not tired enough, you will not enjoy the encounter of God. The reason why a lot of believers, they come to the altar and give a prayer of salvation, but the next day they continue to struggle with the devil, is because that they were never tired of where they were coming from. Until you are tired with your present circumstance and the situation of your destiny, the hand of God will not lift you up. You have to be tired. And the Bible says that he came to a place where he was tired. And he wrestled with man. The first thing I loved about our scripture is the Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. We're in a generation where a lot of people don't like to be alone anymore. You know why? They don't know what isolation in the spirit means. Men of God, I'm talking to my sons also that will be preachers in the nearest future. Spend time alone with God. Don't be like those men of God that on Sunday morning, they just flip through the Bible. They look for one scripture. They'll say, okay. Uh-huh. 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 Then they come to church and just preach stories. They don't have depth. They don't understand the word of God. Listen to me. Two people will preach the same word, but the impact will be different. People will forget one. Immediately the preacher preaches it. People will remember one for a lifetime. Why? It is not in the word. It is in the power of the spirit of the word that enters into the heart of men. You shout, let there be light. If God says, let there be light, because of the integrity of himself, there will be light. Empty preachers, empty vessels, don't be like them. Empty ministers that just want to stand up and just use their voice to release an oracle in the atmosphere. It's not about that. It's about an encounter in the presence of God. Tell somebody, come up higher. And the Bible says that Jacob was left alone. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Somebody that is alone has an absence of company. Somebody that is lonely has an absence of purpose. Christians nowadays, they get bored easily. I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. They get bored easily. That a Christian is always listening to music. His ear is always bombarded with something. They don't even know how to have a solitary time in the realm of the Spirit. In the realm of glory. In the realm of God. They don't even know what it means to worship. I'm telling you, some people have never had a worship encounter before. Where a song touched them in their spirit. And they went on their knees to enjoy the magnanimity of God. Nobody in this, some people, some people have not even understand God as being God. They don't have an encounter of what worship means. They don't know what it means to be alone. The only time that they enjoy the presence of God is when the song is fast. They carry their party grooving spirit. And brought it to church. 
where you can still enjoy the presence of God. Even the song is Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. That it has nothing to do with the beat. It has nothing to do with the instrument. It has nothing to do with whether there's somebody on your left or on your right. In the midst of your own quiet time, you have the ability to enjoy the presence of God. You don't know what it means to be alone in the power of God. Tap somebody, tell the person, come up higher. We are living in a generation and age where Christians don't understand the power of God. We are more interested in entertainment. If you come to church, you want the pastor to entertain you, even in church. So preachers are always afraid to preach the truth. So, messages now do not carry power to convict men of their sin and take them away from the bound of Satan. Tell somebody, come up higher. Jacob was left alone. See, Listen to me. There's a difference between being lonely and being single. You can be single and yet not lonely. A single woman knows her purpose. A lot of ladies right now, they have never been single. From the day they turned 16, they were in a relationship. They have never been single. Their parents took care of them emotionally. Immediately after their parents, they needed a guy. They, they never found themselves. From one rela- immediately they break up from a relationship, their whole life is scattered. They need a quick, a quick boyfriend. Quickly. Someone will come and sweep them off their feet. Listen to me. Marriage is a covenant of two single people, not two half people. If you are half and you enter marriage, you'll be frustrated because the things you were looking for in marriage, you will never get it. Nobody will be able to give you the things. You have to be satisfied in yourself before you enter the place of marriage. If you think your husband will make you happy, I'm here to bust your bubble. You have to learn to be alone with God. Any man that is alone with God, God begins to reveal himself to such a man. God begins to reveal your destiny to you. You begin to have a relationship with your father. Then he begins to open up your life for you. That is why the Bible says in Jeremiah, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. That means he will show you your great destiny, your mighty destiny. But you must learn to spend time, quiet time in the presence of God. You see, quiet time is not putting song in your ear or listening to a message. That is, that is fellowship time. We don't know what it means to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Your Jacob will never be destroyed except you enter into the holies of holies. It is only in the presence of God that your entire destiny will find fruition. You will never have a beautiful and glorious destiny except you spend time in the presence of the Lord. You see, any man that has the presence of God upon him, the devil can smell the presence of God in your life. The devil can smell the presence of God in your life. Who told you you are not going to face challenges in the near future? How are you going to handle such challenges? Only spending time in the presence of God, being alone with Him. Singles, 
Learn to be alone with yourself before you get married. Learn to be alone. Most of us don't know ourselves as single people. That's why we make a lot of relationship mistakes. Then we think the blame is with the person. But you know why? We enter relationship with the wrong expectation. He will do this for me. He will do that for me. He will make this for me. He will make that for me. Your choices were wrong. Because your heart is wrong. Listen to me. If I go to the market, if my value system is short skirt, spaghetti top, when I go to the market and I see a short skirt, I say, whoa, it's so hot, I like this. Who has ever seen girls like that? Oh my God, I must have this. Let me give you an illustration. That's even so far. Some ladies love high heels. Some ladies love flats. Now, when a lady goes to the market and she loves high heels, immediately she gets to the high heel section, she will like, Whoa! Because that's her, that's her desire. There's some people love flats, so they go to the, Oh, this flat is so beautiful, so very comfortable. Oh, I can walk in this. Some people are like that. Now, you see, when you go into a relationship, it is your value system that makes you select. Listen, you say he cheated on you, but if you look at what you like about him, it's because he's a player. He talks smooth. Uh, oh, oh. You see, the qualities you like about him, he's a player. He dresses well, he has swag. He talks smooth. He knows how to make you feel good. Hello, baby. How you doing, darling? I like to talk to you. You're in the spirit. That's why you like him. But the Christian brother that is stable and is focused and know what he wants, you say, he's boring. Eh? Go and meet the player. Let him use your heart to play ball. That's a mistake. You see, it's your value system that makes you select somebody. When guys want to marry, they marry women. When guys want to play, they play with girls. knows a woman that is stable. A guy knows a woman that is focused. They know. They know if you have strong will. Listen, the reason why your boyfriend is calling you and finding you, finding out every time if you're, if you're where he, you said you were, is because he has slept with you. Kalavusha. I didn't want to go there. Let me tell you something. A guy will trust you if you are disciplined before him. He will stop trusting you when you have let down your guard for him. So you call you. Where are you? Who is that? Who is doing that to you? Whose voice is that? I just heard a voice. Give him the phone. He says the pastor. Let him pray. I want to hear him pray. (laughs) 
You said the text, I care for you. What does care mean? Do you know what the meaning of care? Care is a very intensive word. If you have used love, I would not mind. But you said care. It means that there's a dimension of that care. You see, I don't like this kind of text. And the name of this person is Bola. Who told you Bola is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a girl's name? The boy becomes, he begins to distrust you. But listen, before he slept with you, you were the apple of his eye. Honey, where are you now? I'm in the market. Okay. When you finish on the market, will you ping me? Okay, no problem. Honey, where are you now? I'm in the studio. Okay. I'm just missing you. You're busy today. But immediately he finished. Trust. <laughs> Next time, girls. As she's just coming, just tell him. Don't touch this. Ping, ping, ping. Yeah, yeah, don't touch this. I'm serious. Don't touch this. Gang, gang, gang. Who knows that song? I can see the MTMI is a pastor now. <laughs> Who knows that MTMI is a pastor now? A friend of mine once said, a pastor friend of mine, a word of wisdom for a lady. He said, if your boyfriend buys you, if your boyfriend should buy you underwear, he would like to see you in that underwear. Wisdom. Is there no perfume? Tits? Buy underwear. Then it's now G-string. Kai. Man of God. Just tell him, man of God, you're seeing visions. <laughs> Wait for it. The Bible says that Jacob was left alone. You learn to be, you, you, you learn to leave, learn to leave in the presence of the Lord for him to reveal your destiny to you. Secondly, the Bible says that he, he, he wrestled with men. He wrestled with men. What does that mean? Anybody that is trying to live his life trying to impress people. The reason why you want to buy a phone is so that people will see the great phone that you have. The reason why you're holding... Some, I've seen women, I don't understand. They have a Blackberry. They have a Samsung. They have iPad. Then they'll come to church and they'll open the three of them. For who now? For what? What's the purpose? Who are you trying to form for? I'm not saying don't look good. Look good. We need to look good. Don't I look good? I dress well. I don't dress shabby, shabby, shabby like... No, I will not call a person's name. But, but there's nothing wrong in looking good. But I'm saying that your purpose should not be to impress men. Jacob wrestled with men. He was always trying to impress. He worked 14 years just to marry one woman. Trying to impress men. They are always attracted to the things of the flesh. Never attracted to the things of the spirit. We are going to have a Holy Ghost convention from Monday to Friday. Few people will come. There's going to be a party and a groove in the spirit. Then after that we'll top it up with a concert, a mega concert like never before. 
Then after that, we're going to go into a full time of activities, gifts and talents. Then after that, we're seeing the best of gospel music. And after that, Colonia is going to take us into a realm of praise. The whole place will be packed full. But we're going to spend some quality time in the place of prayer. We're going to combat the gates of heaven. Very few people will come to church. Who wants to bombard the gate of heaven? The gate of heaven is there. My own life is here. No bombarding. Pastor who told you I'm Boko Haram? That's how Christians are now. We love to impress men. Then the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with God. What does it mean to wrestle with God? He said something that changed his life. The word bless me here, the original rendition is bless my soul. You know what that means? Jacob at this point in time was more interested in God blessing his soul. His innermost man. He has seen himself struggling in different dimensions and he wanted to break loose. He has seen that his future was not going forward in spite of all the manipulation and all of the gifts and all of the resources that he had. He has noticed that there is no destiny in such things. And he said, God, I'm no more interested in the blessing. You see, in the first encounter, when he had an encounter with the house of God, he said to God, if you will bless me. He gave God a condition before he gave him his commitment. But in this particular time, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's saying, I want more of you, God. I want a higher dimension of your glory. I am tired of standing and falling and standing and falling. I want all of you in all of me. Until Jesus becomes the Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. The whole essence of your Christian life is to sacrifice your life on a platter for Jesus Christ on a platter that anything Jesus should demand of you, you are willing to give. We are living a life where we want to want to be punching God like this, like remote control. We just come to church. Lord, money. Lord, baby. Lord, husband. Hello, dear. how we want to be relating with God. We want God to be a push button where we can be asking him for things. Like ATM machine. Just punching God. Who is God? You or him? Who is in control? You or him? God has to have your entire life. He demands it. He owns it. He created you. He owns everything about you. And I want to dictate to God. Listen to me. For those of you that are trying to change men so that you marry him, shame on you. Shame on you. I will change him. Pastor, I'm preaching the gospel to him. I will change him. Shame on you. He has already gotten you. Your values are dead. Shame on you. Can two walk together except they agree? You have agreed to his value. That is why you are already walking with him. 
he has refused to agree to his to your value, but you still agree to work with him. Is that, not, is that does that make sense? Do not be equally yoked. That means whenever you stand beside an unbeliever, you are on a yoke. That's what the Bible is saying. There's a yoke on your destiny. Shame on you. I will change him. I will change him. Anybody that doesn't have the fear of God cannot have the fear of man. Anybody that doesn't have the fear of God will not have the fear of man. He will do whatever he feels like. It is the fear of God that gives us the love for man. Listen to me. It is the fear of God that gives us the love for man. It is the fear of God that gives us the love for humanity. The fear of God. I'm afraid of God. I've never asked any lady out or touched any lady inappropriately in this church. Why? It's the fear of God. If I have, stand up. Let me see you. I give you permission. Don't lie in the presence of God. It's the fear of God. It's the fear of God. It's not not because of you people. You know why? I can close doors and do something. It's the fear of God. It is the passion you have for God that will force you to do righteousness. It's not the fear of man. Praise the name of the Lord. Tell somebody come up higher. We don't know how to live our lives for Jesus Christ. All of our lives. And God asked him a question. I'll end here now. My time is up. God asked him a question and said, What is your name? What is your name? Then Jacob said, My name is Jacob. What did he mean by that? He was saying, People call me a trickster. He was telling God, I live my life by the expectations of men. And the second thing he meant was, I am a deceiver. He's saying, I live my life by what I have done. But God is saying to him, What people think about you is not important. What you have done in your past is not important. What you have lived by in the very past is not important. What I am interested in is your relationship with me. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Because you are a prince or a commander or a champion in God. Somebody under the sound of my voice. You are a champion in God, but you are living like a beggar. Come up higher. You have a great ministry on your shoulder. You know that God has given you vocal power to preach His gospel to the ends of the earth. But you are allowing a particular girl to control your destiny. Come up higher. There's so much more in Jesus Christ. He says, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that has not even come into your understanding yet. I want to use you for my glory. Thank you for listening to this message. For further inquiries, please call 0703-082-2216 or follow us on Instagram or Twitter at 
H-O-T-R Mina or like us on Facebook at H-O-T-R Mina or email us at info H-O-T-R Mina at gmail.com God bless you.